Well, thank you everybody for joining us again. I'm Father Chris Alar, one of the Marian Fathers here at the National Shrine of the Divine Mercy in Stockbridge, Massachusetts. And it's an honor. We have a full house here this morning live at the shrine. And we're so grateful that you could be with us. October is the month of the rosary. And last week we started our talk on the biblical basis of the rosary, why it's entirely scripture. And we just ran out of time. So today I'm going to be focusing on some stories, some examples that prove this is from heaven. And so we have the proof here and we want to talk to you about this. So uh, yesterday we also celebrated the feast of John Paul. I was supposed to do a talk on John Paul II today. Uh, if you're waiting for that, don't worry, he'll be coming in future Saturday talks. So let us begin in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we ask you send the Holy Spirit down upon us to bless our time here, to open our minds and our hearts, to receive the grace you wish to bestow. And through the intercession of Mary and the prayers of Jesus in the rosary, we ask that you bless those who are home, viewing, those who are sick, and those of all of our Marian helpers. And we ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And Jesus just sent a message to turn down your cell phone. So, <laughs> so anyway, uh, please, we still have a few seats there in the back. If we can make room, people are still coming in. But it's great to have you all with us. As you saw, we're doing Rosary Part 2 today. This is all different from last week. Last week, Rosary Part 1 was more about the Bible foundation of the Rosary. Today, we're going to be talking about different stories and some things that are really powerful. I want to start right off the bat with something called Our Lady of Las Lajas. Now, we are doing Marian apparitions on the first Saturdays. So remember, don't forget, people have been writing me, Father, how can you stop doing Marian apparitions? I haven't. Marian apparitions will still be, did I say first Fridays? I'm sorry, first Saturdays. And um, we're going to continue that, but I was gone to Colorado last October 1st, October Saturday. But I'm coming right back, 1st October, excuse me, 1st November, 1st Saturday, we'll be back at it. But I wanna jump ahead on one Marian apparition because it involves the rosary so beautifully. This was in 1754, where an event happened in Colombia that continues to absolutely baffle theologians and scientists. It does. It was the miraculous appearance of Our Lady of Las Lajas, means Our Lady of the Rocks. And so we'll show you a picture here in a minute, but the image is a scientific wonder, just like Our Lady of Guadalupe. You, we always hear about that. And there's evidence to support that the rosary comes from heaven. And that's the topic of today. So I want to start with this. So as the story goes, one day a woman was traveling. Um, her name was Maria Musis, and she was walking with her little girl who was deaf and mute. And this little girl, Rosa, was with her. And they went through a very treacherous and rocky area there in Colombia on their way home. All of a sudden, a storm broke out. And Maria, the mom, took her daughter to some shelter. And it was under some rocky cliffs there, uh, part of a canyon there in Colombia. All of a sudden, 
little Rosa spoke for the first time. So could you imagine being a mom and all of a sudden your little deaf and mute girl starts speaking fluently? And so this happened. So declaring that she saw a beautiful woman. So this is the first thing this little girl says. This little Rosa said, I've seen mommy. I've seen this beautiful woman who was calling to me. Now, Maria, the mom, didn't see anything, and she didn't see or hear the woman, but she was amazed that her daughter could speak. And so the daughter's speaking all about this woman. But Rosa, or uh, Maria, the mom, didn't see her. Now, a few days later, Rosa disappeared. The, the girl, the little girl, disappeared from the village. Her mother, as a mother does, instinctively thought, Let's return back to that little rocky canyon where she had that experience. Maybe she's there. So she went back to the place to find her little girl. And incredibly, when Maria, the mom, got there, when she went to the rocks, she found Rosa playing with a little child. You know, isn't that the beauty of our God? Think about Jesus humbling himself to becoming a little child for one thing, but then to be playing with a little girl. This is the God. This is our God. This is the creator of the universe. This is the what other religions see their God as this high and mighty. And here's our God who humbles himself to become a little child and to play with a little ball rolling around on the ground in the dirt with a girl laughing, a little girl. He's just a little child laughing with this little deaf girl who now can speak. And so this is going on here. And so it was um, <clears throat> this little child playing with the little girl. And then all of a sudden, Maria saw the mother. And the mother was standing nearby. And she realized it was an apparition of the Virgin Mary and the child Jesus. Now we have witnesses to this. Now keep listening. So Maria and her daughter at first decided to keep it a secret. So they didn't say anything at first. This is humility. So many of us would be running around jumping, hey, come here, you got to see this. Not, not Maria. She kept it quiet. But anyway, she would go back to those rocks and she would pray for Our Lady's intercession quite often. Now, after a few months, a few months later, little Rosa fell ill and she died. So little Rosa died. Now distraught, Maria, the mom, took her deceased daughter to the rocks. So she's carrying the body of her little girl who just died. And the whole village saw that she died. This wasn't just the mom later saying, oh, when we were walking, she died. And then she came back to life. This was a whole village seeing this little girl die. So here Maria takes the body of her little daughter to the rocks to ask Our Lady to intercede with her son. That's always about going to Jesus to bring Rosa back to life. She took her to the same rocks where the boy, the little baby boy had been playing with her daughter and where the mother was seen with them, Jesus and Mary. So she asked Mary to intercede with her son that they could do something for her little girl, Rosa. All of a sudden, Rosa came back to life. 
Now, when Maria returned to the village, now with little Rosa, the people were probably like the people in the gospel, right? When Jesus rose several people from the dead. And all of a sudden, the people saw Rosa was alive. She's alive. And the whole village, it became almost a state of euphoria. How did this happen? So their interest was so great that they returned. They took little, where little Rosa had recovered her speech because by now the, the secret had gotten out. And they all decided to go to this place. So the whole village now travels to this place. And when they got there, they noticed that there was a beautiful image of Our Lady on the rocks. Now, neither Maria nor Rosa had seen the image before, right? No one knew where it had come from. Let's take a look at it on our first slide. Now, this is Our Lady of Las Lajas. You could see, now I apologize because the strip of the title there is kind of covering it. But what I want you to look at on the left side is the beautiful image of the mother holding the Christ child. And then I'm going to tell you about what's on the right here in a minute. So this image is Our Lady holding the Christ child. And then on the right is she's handing St. Dominic a rosary. This was into the rock. Now, the child Jesus, you can't really see it well here, but you could look it up online, is handing a friar's cord, that's what the Franciscans wear, to St. Francis. So we have the two big dogs here. Dominican actually means dog. St. Dominic and St. Francis. So all of a sudden here, the child Jesus is involved in Mother Mary. Now, they saw this image on the rock. Okay, well, who painted it? Well, after an investigation, civil authorities and scientists determined that it was not a painting. Does this sound familiar? Our Lady of Guadalupe, right? It was not a painting. Miraculously, the image was part of the minerals of the rock. So it was built into the rock. Geologists came... And they have since taken core samples. They drilled all the way down into the rock from several places in the rock and discovered that it's no paint, it's not dye, it's not pigment, but it is in the rock. You know how a rock has color? You ever see some of those beautiful rocks in the Southwest? They all have these beautiful colors. Well, those beautiful colors of the rock formed this image. Now, the whole town saw it. So we know that it's just not somebody making this up. Scientists came, geologists came, and the colors of this mysterious image are the colors of the rock itself, and it goes several feet into the rock. The only thing that is man-made about it, and this is also like the image of Our Lady Guadalupe, the only thing that is man-made about it is the crowns, the crowns on Jesus and Mary. Those are the only things they were added later. And you can obviously see those are clearly paint. So it's very different from the rest of the image. So God did this, just like Guadalupe, to baffle the scientists, to baffle the theologians, to baffle the naysayers. This is how God works with these little miracles. Or you could say a big miracle. So for more than two centuries, this location has been a place of pilgrimage. In 1951, the church authorized it. 
approved it. And devotion to Our Lady was given under the title Our Lady of Las Lajas. Now, let's see a picture if Brother Mark can show the next slide. Is that not an incredible church? I mean, look at that. This, this has now become on my list of places I hope before I die I get to see. That is incredible. Now, I don't know if our people here in the crowd can see it, but this, this is the church. I don't know if some of you have your cell phones out, but you can see it. This is the church. That's beautiful. This church was built around the image, and it is now declared a basilica. All right, let's keep going. What about the French Revolution? Now, this was 1754. What happened right after that? The French Revolution. Now, what I think is ironic about the French Revolution is all the non-religious people say, oh, it's a time of enlightenment. And they call the time that really was enlightenment, Thomas Aquinas, the Middle Ages, St. Bonaventure, St. Thomas Aquinas, in the mid-13th century, they call that the Dark Ages. Actually, you couldn't be more reversed. This is anti-Christianity. If you hear the term the Dark Ages, throw, throw it out. Because the Dark Ages were really the most light we've ever had. The scholastics, St. Thomas Aquinas, St. Bonaventures, and others who wrote and gave us the gift of our faith, they call the Dark Ages. But yet the Enlightenment, where we declare, or excuse me, the French Revolution, where we declare God dead, we declare the rationality of man is all you need, we call that the Enlightenment. Quite a mistake. So let's talk about that. Now, the French Revolution, why did it happen? Do you know when the French Revolution happened? It happened as Satan's response to the rosary. This was Satan's response to the rosary. What they would do is they put, they would actually chant, Hail Goddess, full of reason, instead of Hail Mary, full of grace. They would chant, Hail Goddess, full of reason, to a prostitute on the altar of Notre Dame. This is in France. So France was the battleground, and it's going to be again today. Now, St. Louis de Montfort, he had some great work on the rosary, and they had to bury it in a field, or else it would have been destroyed. It would have been burned. So the rosary, where did the rosary come from? France. The rosary came from France. And so the rosary was formed in France. Now Satan's attacking through the French Revolution. So the rosary given to us by the French, the first daughter of the church, Satan strikes back. What is that? The empire strikes back. <laughs> Satan strikes back. God's response immediately, Our Lady of Lords. You see this battle going on between God and Satan. It's almost kind of comical because Satan's not going to win, is not going to beat God. God wins the war. Well, then, Father, what are we even doing here? If God wins the war, what are we bothering here? Because Satan's going to win many battles. All right? Even the Germans in World War II won battles. They lost the war. The Germans in World War II, the Japanese in World War II took many lives with them. They won many battles. Satan is going to win battles, and how many casualties and souls he takes with him is up to us. God will win the war, but before he wins the war, how many souls are we going to lose in the process? That's the question. 
So anyway, God's response, Our Lady of Lords, and then he finished it up right after Our Lady of Lords with what I feel is the greatest pope. We just celebrated John Paul II. I think he's the second greatest. But I think the greatest pope we've ever had in the history of our church, this one, if Brother Mark can show on our screen, Leo Thirteenth Served the end of the 1800s, died in 1903. This was the man who wrote 11 encyclicals on the rosary. All right? And he made October the month of the rosary because he was a farmer and he knew October was harvest season. What do we do in harvest? We bring in the crop. So why is October so important in the church? Because we bring souls, we harvest souls. And the rosary is the way to harvest those souls. And so this is it. So Pope Leo, here I'm canonizing him, saying St. Leo XIII. Pope Leo XIII, he died in 1903. What happened immediately after that? Modernism took over and started attacking the rosary again. And it's been nonstop. Then we get to 1917. You got World War I raging. You've got the communist revolution. You've got Margaret Sanger, the founder of Plant Parenthood who launches the movie Birth Control and sets up the first birth control clinics. You've you've got the Masonic bankers. And I'm going to be doing a talk on Freemasonry here in the future. If I ever disappear without a trace, I can promise you it's not suicide. Okay? (laughs) Please. If I ever disappear and somebody says, Father Chris committed suicide, I can promise you I didn't. Because I'm going to be speaking on Freemasonry. This is what was behind all of that. And so the, 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 the Masonic bankers took their first country in Russia. But what was, again, God's response? Fatima. This all is amazing. And what's at the source of all of it? The rosary. What was at the source of Leo XIII? The rosary. He wrote more encyclicals on the rosary than all the other popes combined. What was at the heart of the French Revolution? The rosary. They hated it. They wanted to destroy it. Why? Because the rosary came from France. And so you can see where all this is coming together. So God's answer to all of this, God, you know, people said, well, no documentation exists on the rosary. You remember, I said last week, it was burned. It was burned. Why? Because again, Satan kicked up his heels and brought the plague. So people were burning everything during the plague. Oh my gosh, somebody looked at the library. Somebody stepped to the library, burn it down. Somebody stepped into those offices with all the documentation of St. Dominic, burn it down. It's kind of crazy like we're getting now, right? That, that, that some of us aren't even going to be able to travel anymore without being vaccinated. Some of us aren't going to be able to go to a restaurant and eat or even buy groceries because we're not vaccinated. It's, it's crazy. And so this is what's happening so anyway, Satan responded to right when, since the rosary has come out, Satan's is constantly striking back and God continues to answer. Let's go back to the beginning when the rosary first came out with St. Dominic in 1214. What happened immediately afterwards? The plague. Satan wanted the plague to stop the rosary. And any documentation about it was burned. Because anything who touched or anybody who touched something during the plague, they burned it. Oh, it might have the virus. And so this is what's going on. Now, God's answer again is Mary, the rosary. 
We just did a talk on EWTN. If you haven't seen our EWTN show, please tune in every Wednesday at 6.30. We just did one on Fatima and the rosary. Now, anyway, most apparitions now, since the, the rosary has been given, involve Mary and lead us to Jesus through the rosary. I, I could go on and on. I'm going to be talking about many of these on the first Saturdays, but one that's close to our heart is Cabejo, where Mary said to pray the rosary, even in different forms. Do you know what Our Lady of the Sorrows chaplet is? Our Lady of the Sorrows rosary? It's an actual rosary. All right. Let's talk about a really interesting one. Let's go to our next slide of Brother Mark and show. Blessed Bartolo Lungo. Anybody ever hear of him? You know what he was? Satanist. A satanic priest. And oh my gosh, when I was doing my research for this talk, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. So I'm doing my research for this talk. And some of my notes, most everything I do for these talks is from seminary. And that's why we want to invite you guys all to come back to seminary with us. All you viewers at home, this is our 71st class. And in it, I, I'm bringing you back to seminary. I'm, 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 I'm taking out all my seminary notes, my texts. I kept all my books. My room is stacked full of books and notes. And I used to type. It was so funny because... Back then, they allowed laptops in the classes. Now they've banned the laptops even in the classes. And I would open my laptop, and I would type as I was listening to the, to the lectures of the priests who were teaching us in seminary. But I had a system. And on my watch, I would start a stopwatch so that if I missed something, I'd quick look at the time, and I would mark on my notes where I missed it because I was recording the talk. So I would have the talk. And if I missed something, I could go back in the recording. Oh, at the 26 minute mark, I could go back to the thing. So I have all these notes and that's how I'm teaching you guys. So you guys are going back to seminary with me. Well, one day I was with, believe it or not, Father Dominic. And I'm typing and I keep looking like this because he talked really fast. And I kept going like this. Oh, I missed what he said. I missed what he said. So I marked down the time. Oh, 51.14. And finally he stops. And he says, Brother Chris, do you have somewhere you have to be? <laughs> As I'm frantically looking, I says, no, Father, I'm totally engaged in your lecture. He says, will you stop looking at your watch? So now those are the times in humility we just have to smile and say, yes, Father. So I didn't get all the notes to that class because I wasn't allowed to look at my thing. So, but anyway, one of the things that we did never talked about in seminary was Blessed Luongo, Bartolo Luongo, um, and it's pronounced Longo. And he's a former Satanist. But I'm online doing research and I found it fascinating because there's all this stuff out there saying, see, the Catholic Church ordained Satanists, Satanists. Oh, the Catholic Church, it shows that Satanism is inside the Catholic Church. Here, the Catholic Church canonized, and we didn't, he's only blessed. The Catholic Church canonized Satanists. It's called a conversion. And, and so it's the same with Father Don. So anyway, this guy's story is amazing. In the 19th century, he lived in Naples, Italy. This is Bartolo Lungo. And he went to college to become a lawyer. Now, he had been raised Catholic, 
But many people at the time began to ridicule the Catholic Church. Sound familiar? And peer, peer pressure, he abandoned the Catholic Church looking for the meaning of life. Doesn't that sound familiar? How many of our young people are doing the same exact thing today? So anyway, he started attending seances and became involved in the cults, in a lot of cults. He was enamored with the occult and became an ordained priest of Satan. He became a satanic priest. Now, this is before he was a Catholic priest. All right. So the bad fruit of all this and being in the occult was he started getting nightmares. He started having hallucinations. He started major depression, severe anxiety attacks. Sound familiar? How many of our youth now are going through this? Don't laugh thinking it might be some of the occult because they're dabbling in some of this occult stuff that they don't even are not even aware of. When I was a little kid, oh my gosh, I'm shocked. I've confessed this but we did the Ouija board. And it was, you know, thank God that he protected me because I knew he saw me as a little kid thinking, I'm going to protect this boy because he doesn't know what he's doing. So if you've done any of that, please confess it. Oh, it's just an innocent game. No, these are portals. All right, they can open up the portals to doors to, to the demonic. So anyway... He thought that his involvement in the cult would lead to a meaningful life of happiness. Isn't this also something we see today? People looking for happiness in sex, money, and power. It's not where you're going to find it. Things got so bad that he even contemplated suicide. So he's a satanic priest finding a lot of happiness, right? He's thinking of suicide. Finally, he broke down and he actually went to a real priest, a real Catholic priest, Father Alberto Redente. This was a Dominican and a great promoter of, you guessed it, the rosary. Now, Father Redente told Bartolo about the power of the rosary and the promises that Mary had once given to St. Dominic, which we'll talk about. We're going to talk about those promises in a minute. But he knew that this was the only way out of the occult. So he knew this. So within a short period of time, he renounced the occult. This is before he became a Catholic priest. We do not ordain Satanists. Okay. So he renounced the occult. He even barged into a seance and screamed at the people to repent. He experienced a complete change of life. This is fascinating. He became a third order Dominican. And guess what name? Because you know how sometimes religious take different names? Um, you know, um, so, so you, you, know, you know, you might be uh, John Smith in real life, but now you're Brother Mary, you know, of the, of the Blessed Sacrament. So anyway, he became a Dominican, Third Order Dominican, and guess what name he took? Brother Rosario, <laughs> after the rosary. So anyway, once visiting Pompeii, remember Pompeii near Rome was the city destroyed by the volcano, Right. He saw how spiritually poor the people were, and he decided to stay there and rebuild the city by spreading the rosary. Kind of sounds like St. Francis, where Jesus told St. Francis, rebuild my church. And Francis at first thought he meant the physical bricks. He's out there rebuilding the bricks. So now God tells him to rebuild his city by the rosary. This is, this is a former satanic priest. So he started orphanages and schools and other works of mercy. And he started construction on what would become 
the Basilica of Our Lady of the Rosary of Pompeii. You ever do the 54-day rosary? Several of us do the 54-day rosary? It's connected. This is the most famous rosary shrine in the world. All right? And through the image of Our Lady of the Rosary, which was placed inside the church, let's take a look at this church. Again, another gorgeous church. And remember, why are things gorgeous in the Catholic Church? Because we give the best to God. This is the church. We give the best to God. Remember when um, they were going to uh, anoint Jesus' feet? And what did Judas say? Why are we wasting this oil? We could sell it and give it to the poor. This is the same exact argument that is always given against the Catholic Church. Why do you build beautiful churches when it can be given to the poor? That's Judas. That's Judas. Why do you build a beautiful church when you can give it to the poor? It's the same thing Judas said. Why are you wasting that beautiful oil on Jesus' feet? It could be given to the poor. We give the first to God. Then we take care of the poor. But the first and the best has to go to God. So anyway, through an image of Our Lady of the Rosary placed inside the church, God brought many healings. And now this is the same image in that church that we associate with the 54-day Rosary Novena. Our Lady of the Rosary of Pompeii. It's also called the Irresistible Novena. It's a powerful one. So anyway, this ordained priest of Satan now changed everything. He died in 1926. He was beatified by John Paul II in 1980. Now, if the rosary is powerful enough to bring the conversion of an ordained satanic priest, it is powerful enough to bring about a conversion of any soul. Even God works in the most crazy ways. Now, I want to show you a video by Father Don. Brother Mark and I had a discussion about this last night. I want to be very careful. I want to show this video because Father Don tells a story. Do you all remember the serial killer, Ted Bundy? Okay. This is a story told by a priest named Father John Esper in his book. But yet, I want to be honest, I haven't been, Brother Mark and I were unable to verify it because we vet all of our information here. So I want to show this video that Father Don repeats the story that came from a Father John Esper who wrote about it. But I, I just want to be clear for the record, we were unable to verify it. But I think it's nonetheless an interesting story. Let's hear what Father Don has to say. You won't remember this, I'm sure. But in 1978, there was a serial killer named Ted Bundy who went on a rampage in Florida at the University in Tallahassee and he massacred two girls in a sorority house, and he went into another girl's room to kill her. He had the weapon, the blood from the other girls on his hand, on the knife. He barged into the room, and all of a sudden, a mysterious force repelled him from the room, and the weapon was thrown out of his hand. Why? Well, the girl in that dorm that night had fallen asleep with a rosary in her hand. Before she went off to college, she said to her mother that I promise to pray the rosary every night before I go to bed as for protection. Well, that night, as often happens, if you try and leave it to the end of the day, you're going to fall asleep. She fell asleep. When the cops came, they saw the girl in a basically catatonic state. She was like paralyzed with fear. She said she didn't want to talk to anybody but a priest. They got a priest. A monsignor came, and she told the priest that what she had told her mother about making that promise. Years later, when Ted Bundy was on death row, he asked to speak to a priest. 
guess which priest came? The same one. And they had a little conversation. And Ted Bundy said to him, you know, there's something I don't understand. That last night, that was the last killing that he did, I had killed those two girls and I went into the other room and some force threw me out of the room and threw the weapon out of my hand. Can you explain that to me? Actually, I can. That's what the priest said. He said, I talked to that girl that night. She had made a promise to pray the rosary and she had it in her hands. You weren't aware of it, but there was a power in those beads that threw you out of the room. This thing, my friends, has power. Saints of old would simply lay it on people who were possessed and demons would shriek out of them. You know, today we look at this and we say, oh, that's, yeah, that's, that's just nonsense. That's, you know, no, it's not nonsense. This thing is a sword, my friends, a I sword. Explaining what he said. Okay, so in that video, uh, one thing I can say that we would, did verify, that I was able to verify, was that that girl did tell the authorities that she prayed the rosary. And she did tell the authorities, her grand, uh, grandmother, I think it was, or whoever, whoever that was, that um, she did pray the rosary. And they verified that that was, um, you know, what she had said. Whether or not the rest of the story is true, we're not sure. But my point is, what a powerful testimony. And, and, and Father Don, I think, summarized it really well there. So the rosary has power. All right. Now, let's talk about some conversions. Again, this is all heaven-based. Otherwise, you wouldn't have this. How does the rosary effectively convert people and bring them light and the truth? I think Sister Lucia from Fatima said it best. She said, after the holy liturgy of the Eucharist, the prayer of the rosary is what best draws to our spirit the mysteries of faith, hope, and charity. The rosary is the spiritual bread of souls. Now, listen to this. After the liturgy of the Eucharist, it's the next best thing. I've been teaching this, and I didn't even know Sister Lucia saw that, said that. I've been teaching this for a long time. She's not stating the rosary is equal to the Mass or the Eucharist. No, no, no. She draws our attention to something fundamentally important regarding the power of the rosary. Mainly, after the liturgy of the Eucharist, it's the next best thing. If you saw my talk last week, and I won't go through the whole thing, I said, if you miss Mass, what's the next best thing? You pray the rosary, and you pray the chaplet of divine mercy. Why? I'll summarize it really quickly, so I know you've probably heard the story, but for those who haven't, the Mass is in two parts. What are the two parts of the Mass? Liturgy of the Word and Liturgy of the Eucharist. What is the Liturgy of the Word? The Liturgy of the Word is meditation on Scripture. What is the Rosary? Oh, it's a bunch of Hail Marys. It's a meditation on Scripture. Each of the mysteries are biblical. Every single one of them, except directly biblical, except two, the Assumption and the Coronation, are indirectly biblical from the 12th chapter of Revelation. But when you pray, when you miss Mass, if it's Sunday Mass, go to confession. But if you miss a daily Mass, the next best thing is pray a rosary, because it's like liturgy of the word. And you pray a chaplet, because it's like liturgy of the Eucharist. Why? Because in the liturgy of the Eucharist, the priest offers sacrifice. And people say to us all the time, Father, how? I don't understand it. But how? 
Can I take this and pray, Eternal Father, I offer you the body, blood, soul, and divinity of your dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. That's a prayer of the Divine Mercy Chaplet. Father, how can I say this? You yourself said the Mass is God offering God to God. How can I offer, I, I offer you the dearly your dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ? I can't do that. Only a priest can. Well, by virtue of your baptism, guess what? You share in the three offices of Christ. You are a priest, you are a prophet, you are a king. And as we said last week, a priest teaches, a king governs. You are to teach in the ways of the Lord. You're to govern your body in holiness, your family in the truth. But you are also a priest, not a ministerial priest. You can't do the sacraments, but you are common priesthood. And you can offer sacrifice. So when you pray the chaplet, it might be the only time that you exercise your priesthood. What an incredible combination. The rosary and the chaplet. Do you think it's any wonder that God had them done on the same set of beads? <laughs> Jesus said, you pray it on the rosary beads. There's no coincidence there. None. That is the reason God did it. All right, let's keep going. Now, remember, St. Louis de Montfort, I mentioned him earlier, said Mary herself spoke of the rosary as the greatest prayer after the Mass. Here I am, been teaching this, and I had no idea Sister Lucy and Mary herself said the same thing. After the Mass, it's the greatest prayer, the rosary and the chaplet. St. Louis de Montfort said the rosary is like a second memorial and representation of the life and the passion of Jesus. In other words, you're continuing the study of Jesus' life. Great saints have referred, if you say the rosary in the evening, it's like evening communion. The rosary is not merely a bunch of Hail Marys, piously recited. It's Jesus living again in your soul through Mary's intercession. The rosary brings souls to Jesus and Jesus to souls, all through Mary. The prayer of the rosary is a mini catechism. It's a mini New Testament. This is what we have to look at, all on a string of beads. Last week, we said when the missionaries traveled around the world, they couldn't carry giant stacks of Bibles. But what could they carry? The Bible on a string. This is a Bible on a string. You can't get better than that. It is biblical. So basically, this is a visualization of the mysteries of the life of Christ summarized right here. To pray the rosary is to make a spiritual pilgrimage with Jesus through his whole life. Meditating on the mysteries. That's what leads you to conversion. That's what converted the Satanist, blessed Lungo. Bartolo Lungo. Very powerful. And so this is why it's like Divine Mercy Sunday, right? Because Divine Mercy Sunday is the guidance of Mary taking us to Jesus through communion, confession, and conversion. The rosary brings that. And divine mercy cleans you up from your past. So Mary in the rosary brings you to Jesus. Then on divine mercy Sunday, Jesus cleans you up from your past. What's the purpose of divine mercy Sunday? Wipe away your past. Because people always want to say, well, I want to engage in something, but, but I've got such a scarred past. Now Jesus through divine mercy Sunday wipes that past clean. This is what's going on. All right, let's continue. What about saints and martyrs of the rosary? Many showed that it can change your life. What about Patrick Payton? 
Patrick Payton, remember the family that prays together, stays together? He was the priest responsible for gathering more people together to pray the rosary than anybody in the history of the church. In the 17th century, let's talk about more stories here. The Ugandan martyrs, you ever hear about these? These were martyrs for purity and fidelity of the faith. And even as they were burned alive, they held the rosary in their hand. They never dropped it. They were being burned alive and they never let go of the, of the, of the rosary. And you know what else? If you heard Father Kaz talk on Divine Mercy Sunday last year, this 20, uh, 2021, you heard Father Kaz tell the story of the Marian martyrs, Blessed George and Brother Anthony. Brother meaning Marian brothers, they were priests. Blessed George and Blessed Anthony. They were burned by the Germans in a church with their whole congregation. The entire thing was burned to the ground except one thing. Everything was charred. The entire church, every person, everything was burned to the ground except one hand. There was a complete human hand with all its flesh intact, untouched, just the hand holding the rosary. And they knew from the ring it was Blessed George, our Marian priest. Not Blessed George Machulitis, our renovator, Blessed George, our martyr. That to me is incredible. Everything else burns, yet there's a single hand with all the flesh still clutching the rosary. Incredible. So they were burned alive, yet the rosaries never fell from their hand. What about in Mexico? You ever hear of Blessed Miguel Pro? Vivo Cristo Rey. Right? This is some, some good stuff on him online. He was martyred for his faith. He was shot before firing a squad. Let's have Brother Mark show you the next slide. Because in the next slide, that's the actual picture of him. In the early 1920, uh, 1920s, I think it was, being executed. But before he was executed, he held his arms out. And what was in his arms? The rosary. And he shouted, Viva Cristo Rey. This is beautiful. All right. Now, he extended his arms, held the crucifix in one hand, and the rosary in the other. Hmm. St. Louis de Montfort, Padre Pio, St. Jose Maria Escriva, many others were never seen without having a rosary in their hands. Many times. I carry mine in my pocket because you never know when you're going to need it. So just get a little case like this. We have them at our gift shop if you don't have one. Just carry a little case. Carry the rosary with you. You always have it. You know, I usually don't have a problem at the airport. But about, I think it was a year, but it was, it was before COVID. And the TSA agent, how you could have no clue, I don't know, pulls it out. And I had went through the scanner and forgot that I had it in my pocket. And this is metal. So I went through and he's looking at it. He says, what do you use this for? And he's looking at it like I'm going to choke somebody with it or something. It's a rosary. 
It's like, what's a rosary? Think the collar would give me away? <laughs> and so these are the little ways you can evangelize. Go onto a plane with a rosary in your pocket and let the TSA agent ask you what it is. And maybe give him a little card how to pray the rosary. Maybe have an extra one with you to give to him. These are great little ways we can evangelize. So anyway, does all this mean that the saints never struggled praying the rosary, however? Oh, no, not at all. Let's look at our next slide. This is a great quote from St. Therese. Let's look up on our screen. St. Therese says, the rosary is a long chain that links heaven and earth. I love this. One end of it is in our hands, and the other end is in the hands of the Holy Virgin. Isn't that beautiful? I love that. The rosary prayer rises like incense to the feet of the Almighty. Now, you're going to say, oh, there's a saint. St. Therese, all holy, all holy. Well, let's listen to what she said about praying the rosary. I read this last week. It's a really brief paragraph, but I want to read it again for those of you who didn't hear it. St. Therese said, when alone, and I'm almost ashamed to admit it. That's her words. The recitation of the rosary is more difficult for me than wearing an instrument of penance. I feel I have said it so poorly. I force myself, I have to force myself in vain to meditate on the mysteries of the rosary. Does that sound familiar? We've all been there. I don't succeed in fixing my mind on the mysteries. My mind wanders. For a long time, I was desolate about this lack of devotion, which astonished me because I love the Blessed Virgin Mary so much that it should be easy for me to recite in her honor these prayers, which are so pleasing to her and God. Now I am less desolate. I think that the Queen of Heaven, since she is my mother, must see my goodwill and she is satisfied with it. How many times have I fell asleep praying the rosary? God is not angry with that. It's almost a tranquilizer sometimes. <laughs> I'll be up late at night. I get home midnight and I start praying my rosary. I'm out by the end of the first decade. <laughs> sometimes when my mind is in such aridity that I cannot draw forth a single thought to unite myself with God, I very slowly recite in Our Father and then a Hail Mary. Then these prayers give me great delight. They nourish my soul much more than if I had recited a hundred of them. The Blessed Virgin shows me she is not displeased with me, for she never fails to protect me as soon as I invoke her. Invoke her. This is the key. You know, it wasn't always easy for them to meditate and stay focused. The saints were, you were even talking saints, but they never gave up. Let's take a look at our next slide of Brother Mark and Show. Our next one, this is a great saint, St. Louis de Montfort. This is the basis of the consecration of Mary, right? Father Mike Gately, when he kind of redid it, was taking the basis of St. Louis de Montfort. Now, St. Louis de Montfort fully acknowledged that it's normal that you struggle. What did he say? I want to read you a quote from him. Listen to this. Don't get discouraged if you have a tough time praying the rosary. Listen to this. You cannot possibly say your rosary without having a few involuntary distractions. 
And it is hard to say even one Hail Mary without your imagination troubling you at least a little. For our imagination is never still. Being human, we easily become tired. But the devil makes these difficulties worse when we are saying the rosary. I have had so many people come up to me and say, Father Chris, I don't get it. I'm fine. I can focus. I get into the chapel trying to pray a rosary and my mind goes everywhere. That's the evil one. He doesn't want you praying this. This is, this is what's going on. All right. He says this here. He says, um, uh, he says right here, the evil one makes it difficult worse when we are praying the rosary. Before we even begin, listen to this. This is classic. This is St. Louis de Montfort. Before we even begin, the devil makes us feel bored, distracted, and exhausted. Has that ever happened to you? I bet so. And when we have started praying, he oppresses us from all sides. Even if you have to fight distractions all through your entire rosary, be sure to fight well. Arms, armed with the spiritual weapon, to say, do not stop saying your rosary, even if it is hard to say it, and you have absolutely no sensible devotion. <laughs> it is a terrible battle, I know, but one that is profitable to the faithful soul. Isn't that beautiful? Don't give up. Don't ever give up. St. Teresa of Calcutta, Mother Teresa, she underwent years of spiritual dryness. She didn't feel Jesus. Now, don't let the media, this is what drives me crazy. St. Mother Teresa said that she felt arid, not feeling God's presence for 40 years. So the media jumped all over that and said, even Mother Teresa had no faith. This is insanity. It was greater faith because she still had ultimate faith in God, still believed he was there, but even though she didn't feel him, that's even more faith. It's easy to feel God when he's sitting next to you. But try to have faith in God when you don't feel his presence and you still have faith. That was Mother Teresa. Therefore, whether she had good feelings while praying the rosary or not, nonetheless, she continued. And so should you. All right, let's tell one more story. Uh, this goes back to Father Don Calloway also in his book, The Nigerian Bishop. I don't know if you all heard of this, who had the vision of Jesus giving him a sword. Let's talk about this one. This one is documented. Again, I'm getting this from Father Don Calloway. But this one, I went online, and I do see this priest everywhere. Um, in April 2014, Boko Haram, the um, radical Muslim group, kidnapped more than 200 young girls from a school in Nigeria. There was a priest, or sorry, a bishop. Let's take a look. Brother Mark can show his picture. His testament, this comes right from the bishop himself. So if the story's not true, it comes directly from the bishop. This is Bishop Oliver Doeme in the diocese of, of a, one, one of the dioceses in Nigeria. And he said that one evening while he was praying the rosary because of Boko Haram, that he was beside himself. They're killing people. They're kidnapping people. What do we do? And Jesus appeared to him holding a sword. And the bishop said, yes, it's time to fight. Because, you know, the Catholic Church is not against self-defense. What were the Crusades? They were self-defense. 
So Catholic church teaching is if you are a father and somebody breaks into your home and tries to kill your wife and children, you actually have a moral obligation to stop them. That's a huge misunderstanding of our Catholic faith. Self-defense is totally not only permitted by the church, you are morally obligated. And so this man sees Jesus hold his sword. He's like, yes. And he reached up for the sword. And as soon as he went to grab it out of Jesus' hands, the sword turned into a rosary. And so this bishop grabbed what he thought was the sword and he's holding the rosary. This is amazing. Jesus transformed it. And Jesus said, Boko Haram is gone. Now, after this bishop had this vision, he began to promote the rosary everywhere in his diocese. Then, guess what? On October 13th, what's that date? The sun, 2016, dozens of the kidnapped girls were suddenly released by Boko Haram. Again, I'm just going by what this bishop said. Then in May 2017, another 83 girls were released. Then on July 3rd, 2017, 700 members of Boko Haram surrendered their weapons and turned themselves into authorities. Hmm. Some say this didn't happen. I understand it, but I'm just going by the words of the bishop. Father Don does talk about this a little bit in his book. All right. Let's go on now to something very important. Next slide. Brother Mark and show, what are the 15 promises of those who pray the rosary? You know, I bet many of us have prayed the rosary for years and don't even know any of the 15 promises. Do you know the 15 promises? Is anybody who can recite them by heart? I want you to come up because I don't even know them by heart, but I'm going to read them to you. Mary, promise number one. To all those who recite my rosary devoutly, I promise my special protection and many great graces. Why is that important? Because you need grace to get to heaven. And Mary is the mediatrix of grace. Promise number two, those who shall persevere in saying the rosary shall receive signal graces. What are signal graces? Signs. Like, so suppose you pray a rosary to Mary and all of a sudden you smell roses. I've had that happen once in my life. It was the only signal grace I've ever gotten of significant magnitude. I mean, I've had little things that are coincidences and stuff like that. But the room filled with the smell of roses. Those are signal graces. And Mary promises there will be signal graces. She didn't say how many. Promise number three. The rosary shall be a very powerful armor sword against hell. It will destroy vice, deliver you from sin, and dispel heresy. You know why I want to talk about sin? I once had a priest told me, and I'll never forget it. Are you struggling with mortal sin? Are you struggling with sloth? You know the seven deadly sins? What are the seven deadly sins? Seven deadly sins are sins, if unrepented, can be our demise of our eternal salvation. You have pride. You have sloth laziness, pride, thinking, I'm going to do it my way, laziness, anger or wrath, envy, lust, greed, gluttony. And gluttony doesn't have to be just food. 
Too much TV. The biggest problem for many of us, too much cell phone. Our Lady promises that if you pray the rosary, you cannot continue in mortal sin. If you are continuously daily, and I'm talking every day now, you really want to get rid of mortal sin? You keep asking God why I can't get out of mortal sin? I want to stop my relations with my boyfriend and I can't do it. I keep falling into sexual sin. You really want to stop looking at pornography? You really want to stop getting drunk and drinking alcohol? Are you praying the rosary daily? Because our tradition says you can't possibly pray the rosary every day and consist in mortal sin. One of the two is going to stop. Either you are going to consist or persist in mortal sin and you will stop praying the rosary or you will persevere in praying the rosary and you will stop mortal sinning. Both cannot coexist. I think that's fascinating. You really want to get out of the pitfall? Pray the rosary daily. Because one of the two things is either going to happen. You're either going to stop praying the rosary and continue to sin, or you're going to continue, yeah, you're going to continue to sin and stop praying the rosary, or you're going to continue to pray the rosary and you will stop sinning. Powerful stuff. All right, now, the rosary, number four, the rosary will make virtue and good works flourish and will obtain for souls the most abundant divine mercies. Boy, it didn't take Mary long to get divine mercy into this. It will draw the hearts of men from the love of the world to the love of God. You know what sin is? You know what sin is? Sin is simply taking your eye off the creator and putting it and focusing it on the creature or the created thing. That's all sin is. You want to get out of sin? Find a little picture of Jesus. Get the image of divine mercy in, a po- in your pocket in a prayer card and just pull out that image. Keep your eyes focused on the creator. The definition of sin is taking your eyes off of the creator and putting it onto the creature or the created thing. Those, that is sin. I trust in the creature. I don't trust in God. I crave the creature more than I crave God. I crave the created thing, money, and belongings more than God. So I'm taking my eye off of the creator and I'm putting it onto the creature. Mary's saying right here in promise number four that you won't do that. You'll stay focused on the thing that matters, the creator. It will obtain souls. It will draw the hearts of men from love of the world to love of God and will lift them to desire eternal things. How many souls shall sanctify themselves by this means? Number five, promise number five, those who trust themselves to me through the rosary shall never perish. In other words, no matter how sinful you've been, if you've been faithful to this rosary, Mary promises you she's going to help you to not go to hell. She just confirmed it right there with the bell. She just says, why, yes, that is. Why, yes, that is. (laughs) That's awesome. So if you pray this daily, you're going to have an advocate by your side. Come your judgment, no matter how broken you are. That's amazing. That's number five. Promise number six. Those who shall recite my rosary devoutly, meaning daily, 
meditating on the mysteries shall not be overwhelmed by misfortune, even if it's at the last moment of their life, meaning you don't despair. The sinner shall be converted, even if it's at the last minute of your life. The just shall grow in grace and become worthy of eternal life. Promise number seven, those truly divided, devoted to my rosary shall not die without the sacraments of the church. Now, what does that mean? Well, Father, I don't know about that. My grandmother devoutly prayed the rosary and she died and we couldn't get a priest over there for COVID. How do you explain that? Mary just promised that you won't die without the sacraments of the church. The sacraments, God, we are limited by the sacraments. God is not. What that means is maybe that mother or that grandmother was given the grace of the sacraments without physically having the priest there. God can give the forgiveness of sin. God can give Holy Communion. Mother uh, uh, St. Faustina had Holy Communion without there being a priest. Remember, she was sick. She was sick. And what did God do? He sent an angel to give her Holy Communion. So you don't think that, okay, Grandma didn't have a priest come. Well, maybe God sent a angel with holy communion that's the promise all right promise number eight those who faithfully recite my rosary shall find during their life and at the hour of death that their that their death that at the hour of their death the light of god the fullness of his graces shall share in the merits of the blessed in other words you are going to get the help of the saints and that's enough to keep some of us out of hell. Number nine, promise number nine of 15. I shall deliver very promptly from purgatory the souls divided to my rosary. And we have a movie coming out called Purgatory. Even if you're watching this film after it comes out next week, you can get it online. Promise number 10. The true children of my rosary shall enjoy great glory in heaven. Do you realize there are levels of heaven? Did you know that? It's called heavens. Now that doesn't mean there's more than one heaven. But Paul talks about the seventh heaven. You ever hear that expression? I'm in seventh heaven. It means you're at the top. There are levels in heaven. And Mary's promising you pray the rosary, you'll be in the highest levels. This is amazing. What you asked, number 11, promise number 11, what you asked through my rosary you shall obtain... Now, we should add to that according to the will of God. You're not going to ask that you be given 25 wives. Okay, that's not the will of God. Okay. Promise number 12, those who propagate my rosary will be aided by me in all their necessities. And remember, a new cell phone is not a necessity. Okay, a new television is not a necessity. Promise number 13, <clears throat> I have obtained from my son that all the members of the Rosary Confraternity shall have as their intercessors in life and death the entire celestial court. Become a Marian helper. You share in those graces. Prayer number 14, or promise number 14. Those who recite my rosary faithfully and daily are all my beloved children, brothers, and sisters of Jesus. And finally, rosary promise number 15. Devotion to my rosary is a great sign that you're going to heaven. That to me is the greatest of all of these. All 15 promises, and my favorite is number 15.
Devotion to my rosary is a great sign that you are destined for heaven. That's just a little sign that God knows you're on board. You pray in that rosary. It's a great sign that you are going to heaven. Now, let's continue. I don't have a lot of time left. Getting near the end here. Let's go to our next slide. Plenary indulgences. Oh, that's the word that scares all many Catholics. How can you belong to a church that sold plenary indulgences? All right. You can use anything for the good or the bad. You can turn on your computer and you can get on to our YouTube channel as you are right now and watch a talk on Jesus and Mary. Be inspired to pray the rosary and help your loved ones get to heaven. That's using the computer for the good. Is it not? Yeah. But at the same time, you could turn on that same computer and visit some bad websites. And you could spend your time on those websites. Does that make the computer bad? Some would say so. But I just said you could use it for the good. It's up to you. It's the same with plenary indulgences. The church was given the authority by Christ through plenary indulgences to give grace. And the church could use it for the good or there was a time where they sold them and they used it for the bad. That doesn't make the gift of God bad. God can give you the gift of somebody in your life that you could abuse. Maybe he gave you the gift of a beautiful wife and you're abusing her. So God gave the church the gift of the plenary indulgences. Doesn't always mean that they were used correctly, but that's been corrected. It's completely a gift of the church, gift of God. And what is a plenary indulgence? All right. Anybody know what a plenary indulgence is? What is a plenary indulgence? A plenary indulgence is a way for you to be cleaned up. All right, Father, how do I get clean? You want to start over? Everybody always says, if I could just get a clean slate, if I could just wipe my slate clean. You know, you're going for a background check and you had that DUI 10 years ago and you're shuddering in fear because the DUI is going to show up on that background check. Wouldn't it be nice if you could say, gee, I just want that, my background wiped clean. I made a stupid mistake. I was in college. I was stupid. I made this mistake. And now I can't get a job. I just wish I could wipe my slate clean. You can. It's called a plenary indulgence. Father, how do I wipe my slate clean? Well, one way is you go to the confessional. You're forgiven of all sin. And all that sin is wiped away. You're cleansed. However, when you come out of that confessional, your sin is forgiven. But what about the punishment? In other words, you've heard me use this example before. Dad tells the little boy not to play baseball in the yard. The baseball, uh, dad says you're going to break the window. Dad goes to work. Told him not to do it. The boy gets tempted by his friends. They play baseball in the yard. Sure enough, the baseball goes through the window, breaks the window. The boy's now in trouble. Dad comes home, sees the broken window, says, son, I told you not to play baseball in the yard. Son hangs his head. I'm sorry, dad, please forgive me. Sound like us in the confessional? Yeah. And what does the father say? You're forgiven. But does he then say, now you can go play with your friends? What does he say? 
you're grounded. And you're going to pay for this out of your allowance. Kind of like purgatory that's not in the Bible when it says you will have to pay the last penny. Purgatory is in the Bible. And so the father says you will have to be grounded and you're going to pay for this out of your allowance. There's punishment consequences that go with our sins. So when you go to the confessional, the sin is forgiven. But what about the punishment? Is that gone? Well, the eternal punishment is gone, a.k.a. hell. You no longer are facing the fires of hell. The eternal punishment is gone. But what about the temporal punishment, a.k.a. purgatory? That may remain. Unless you have perfect contrition, you're so sorry, you're on your hands and knees crying and begging for God's mercy. Unless that happens, you may have some punishment remaining. But there's a way you can wipe it out. It's called a plenary indulgence. There's all kinds of plenary indulgences. You can visit basilicas on the dates of their anniversary. There's hundreds of them. But there's something I call, I don't know if anybody in the church calls it this, but I call it the big four. Just like I have the big four devotions, the uh, Sacred Heart, the first Fridays, the Immaculate Heart, the first Saturdays, Precious Blood, and Divine Mercy. I call those the big four devotions. But there's big four plenary indulgences. Does anybody know what four plenary indulgences you can get any day of the year, any time, any place, any day of the year, you can get a plenary indulgence? Does anybody know? Well, that's one of the conditions. She said pray for the Pope. It's one of the conditions. That's a good point, but there are four ways you can get a plenary indulgence. One, well, divine mercy is another way around a plenary indulgence. There are the big four plenary indulgences. One, you can read a half an hour of scripture. You can do that on your couch at halftime. You don't even have to go to the church. You can do this on your couch. Half an hour of reading scripture. Half an hour of adoration is a plenary indulgence, or can be. Half an hour of adoration can be a plenary indulgence. Do you know that walking the stations of the cross... Now, not in your bathroom, but in a legally erected place where they're blessed by the bishop, like a church. These, if you do the Stations of the Cross right here in our shrine, you can get a plenary indulgence. Well, I thought that was only Fridays in Lent, Father. No, any day of the year. Does anybody know the fourth big four plenary indulgence? Ah, oh, take a guess. Pray the rosary. Beautiful. Pray the rosary inside a church, chapel, or oratory, or with another person. This is why when I land at the airport at midnight, I do my work on the plane, and then when I land, I say, all right, brother, we're praying the rosary. Father, I've already prayed three today. You're praying another one. Because <laughs> I want the plenary indulgence. Isn't that very charitable to me? <laughs> Because if you pray the rosary inside a church chapel or with another person, you can get a plenary indulgence. So these are the big four you can do any day of the year. You can do a half an hour of scripture. You can do a half an hour of adoration. You can walk the stations of the cross or you can pray the rosary inside a church or chapel by yourself or with another person, even in a car. Now, to get the plenary indulgence, the full graces, now we bring in the four conditions. What are the four conditions? 
Yes. One, you go to confession. How many days before or after? Not one day. People used to say eight. It used to be eight until the Jubilee year of 2000. Now the church says about 20 days. So if you go to confession once a month, you're covered. Meaning 20 days before or after you do the plenary indulgence within 20 days. Now, if you're not in a state of grace, you got to go to confession before. If you're in a state of grace, you could go before or after. So 20 days before, 20 days or after, that's 40 days. Anytime in that 40 days. So if you go once a month, you're covered. So one, you go to confession. Two, what do you got to do? Holy communion. One holy communion for each time you do a plenary indulgence. Good. So confession, communion. What's the third one? The lady said it here earlier. Pray for the intentions of the Holy Father and please don't get hung up on that one. That does not mean the intention you're praying for is a forced vaccination. Okay? These are intentions established by the church that are always to pray for the good of the faith. Okay? Now... That's the third one. Pray so far, so good, right? So far, so easy, right? Not too bad. I can go to confession. I can go to communion. I can pray for the intentions of the Holy Father. How do you pray for the intentions of the Holy Father? Normally in our Father, hail Mary and a glory be. I know I'm going fast here, but is this making sense at all? All right. What is the fourth and last condition? Well, close. No attachment to sin even venial. Good luck with that one. <laughs> if you figured out how to do that, please come and tell me. Because I still get impatient. I still get gluttonous. It's very difficult. That doesn't mean you should stop trying because every time you do a plenary indulgence, even if you're not perfectly detached from sin, what do you get? Partial indulgence and pennies equal dollars. Yeah, want to do it. But somebody said earlier, and I'm going to do a whole nother talk on this, but there's another way to get wiped away of all sin and punishment. It's called Divine Mercy Sunday. And on Divine Mercy Sunday, our Lord just said, go to confession and communion. That's it. So even if you are a snake in the gutter attached to sin on Divine Mercy Sunday, you can get completely wiped clean. So it's even greater than a plenary indulgence, but daily you can do a plenary indulgence. Now, somebody once said to me, Father, that's the problem with the church. I had this happen more than once. Once was right here at the shrine. Once was on a mission. Father, I'm telling you, that's the problem with the Catholic church. All its rules and regulations. These aren't rules. This is extra credit. <laughs> this is not rules. There's nobody telling, God's not telling you, you got to do this or you're going to hell. You could be shoes not to do it. It's kind of like the college professor says, it's up to you. You want to do an extra paper on quantum mechanics and I will give you extra credit, but it's up to you. You don't have to do it. So if you think your grade is good enough, har har, <laughs> you don't have to do it. But for the rest of us whose grade is on the borderline, we're going to do the extra credit. That's what this is. This is extra credit of grace. All right, good stuff. All right, now. All right, so uh, last week we mentioned, uh, you know what, I'm going to have to skip all this because I'm running out of time. All right, I tell you what, because I can't say this, watch last week's episode because I was going to summarize how the rosary actually started. I guess I can say just really quickly. You know how the rosary started? Real quick, the monks used to pray. How many psalms are there? 
150. And the Psalms, the monks used to pray a Psalm, every one of the Psalms every day. They would pray 150 Psalms every day. The problem is to pray the Psalms, what do you need? You need two things. You need to have a book and you need to know how to read. The problem was most people didn't have books because there was no printing press yet. And most people didn't know how to read. The monks did, but people wanted to be like the monks. And people wanted to be like the monks, so they wanted to be able to do the 150 psalms. The problem is, they didn't have books, or they couldn't read. So what did they start doing? They replaced the 150 psalms with 150 Our Fathers. And the 150 Our Fathers became their way of joining the monks in prayer. I can't pray 150 psalms because I don't have the book and I don't know how to read, but I know the Our Father, and I can start to pray the Our Father and pretty soon, those migrated into honoring Jesus in the womb of Mary. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. And they began to pray 150 Hail Marys. Where do you think the rosary came from? Because as they were praying 150 Hail Marys, they sometimes would lose track, so they'd get buckets of rocks. And every time they would say Hail Mary, they would take a, a rock out of the bucket, so they knew, um, you know, uh, uh, hey, brother, am I on number 112 or 113? We've all said it. I've been in prayer and rosaries. I said, hey, are we on the fourth or fifth, you know? Hey, you know? And so the people would take rocks. This isn't paganism. This isn't worship of the rock god. <laughs> this is simply keeping track of the number of prayers that they've said. And pretty soon, rocks became a little impractical, so the monks were carrying buckets of rocks. They put together beads. And how come 150 because we originally, we had three, the joyful, the, the glorious, and the sorrowful. And each one has 50 Hail Marys times the three, 150. That's how the rosary developed. Even St. Jerome used to use beads to pray. All right, let's look at our next slide, if Brother Mark can show it to us. This is a beautiful rosary. This is an example that one for each psalm, we could keep count the prayers that were meditated on, pretty soon they added mysteries. That's how the rosary, the rosary is not just a bunch of Hail Marys. Pretty soon they attached a mystery to each decade. So we have all the mysteries. They're scriptural. The visitation, scriptural. The annunciation, scriptural. The birth of Jesus, scriptural. The uh, presentation of the temple, scriptural. Finding Jesus in the temple, scriptural. The agony in the garden, scriptural. The scourging at the pillar, scriptural. The crowning with thorns, scriptural. The carrying of the cross, scriptural. The crucifixion and death of Jesus, scriptural. The resurrection, scriptural. The ascension into heaven, scriptural. You get the point here. This is all scriptural. This is how the rosary came to be. All right, now I've only got a couple minutes left. Oh my, I gotta go through my last page here. All right, the rosary is Christ-centered. And thus, it aids us. Now, here's the thing. Should you do this in adoration? Ah, I sense some hesitation. This cannot be the reason that you expose the Blessed Sacrament. You cannot say, my form intent is just to pray the rosary, and therefore we're going to expose the Blessed Sacrament as secondary. That's why we here at the Marian Fathers, we expose at one o'clock and we first do what? Silent adoration. Then we pray the rosary. You are not to come in and just for the sake of praying the rosary, expose the blessed sacrament. 
According to the congregation of divine worship and the discipline of the sacraments, the rosary may be prayed by, by, during Eucharistic adoration. Please don't write the bishop and said, Father Chris said, I cannot pray the rosary during adoration. I did not say that, please. I'm sorry, I don't mean to sound difficult here, but I've been burned and called into the principal's office so many times. <laughs> so many times. I'm not saying you can't pray the rosary during adoration. We do pray the rosary during adoration, but it can't be your only focus in adoration. This is a of the congregation of the doctrine of worship. The rosary may be prayed during Eucharistic adoration, adoration with exposition, provided that it is not the sole reason exposition of the blessed sacrament takes place. Does that make sense? One should not expose the Eucharist only to recite the rosary. But you can pray the rosary in adoration. However, among the prayers that are used during adoration, the recitation of the rosary may be included. Yes. If it is emphasizing, guess what? The mysteries of Jesus. The life of Jesus. And if you say, well, I'm praying to Mary. Yes, to Jesus through Mary. All right. Now, Tom Nash on Catholic Answers had a couple great things. I'm going to comment on him as I'm running out of time. He calls the rosary the gospel on a string, meditating on the ministry and mission of Jesus. We basically can say this is a catechism, all right? For we deepen our relationship with Jesus and his church through reflecting on his mysteries of his life, all right? Basically, the rosary reaffirms that Catholicism begins and ends with Jesus. Oh, you Catholics and your crazy rosaries, it begins and ends with Jesus. What's the very first mystery of the joyful mysteries? Gabriel comes to Mary and says, what? You will bear a son. Who are you talking about? Jesus. And, 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 and the mysteries go all the way through the life of Jesus up through his resurrection and ascension into heaven. Therefore, our devotion to Mary flows from her being the mother of Jesus. It's not just Mary. As he promised, Jesus is with us to the end of the age, especially in the Eucharist, but also in the rosary. He leaves us the mysteries. Praying the rosary helps us appreciate the access to the gifts that he gives us through his church. Jesus also gives us his mother. She helps us on this meditative journey. You know why that's important? Because who was with Jesus on his journey through life all the way through the cross, all the way into the upper room? Mary. So who better to take you on the journey of the life of Christ than the woman who was there, the woman who is his mother? From the Annunciation, Mary testifies that God is the object of worship. All right, I'm going to skip this. Skip this, skip this, skip this. All right, real quick, the famous example, but Mary is dead. Remember, to pray to doesn't mean worship. I said this last week. What does, pray, what does it mean to pray to? What does that mean? What does pray mean? To ask. The courts used to have in the written language of the courts, the, the defendant prays that the court drops these charges. Does that mean that the defendant's worshiping? No. The defendant is asking the court to drop the charges. All right? Now, you don't think that these people are alive? Who did Jesus talk to during the transfiguration? Eliza and Moses, Elijah and Moses, were they alive? You betcha. Had they already died? You betcha. 
So this is important. So scripture tells us that the faithful departed can help when Paul called us to intercessory prayer. Let's read our next slide. Only got two left. Paul says, and when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. This means in heaven. Where's the lamb? In heaven. Each holding a harp with golden bowls full of, guess what? Incense, what we have at the Catholic Mass, which are prayers of the saints. Revelation 5, 8. That shows, as their name implies, James 5, 14 says the 24 elders are humans. These are Christians who have attained heaven. So if they are praying for us, that means that yes, people who have passed away are even more alive in the glory of heaven. Oh, but Mary's dead. No. St. John says that they are able to receive the prayers of the faithful on earth and bring us to Jesus. That's what Revelation 5, 8 is about. And the rank and file saints, if they can help us, as Paul says, why not the mother of God? Very important, all right? All right, now, as a mother on earth, she worked, as a mother on earth works for her natural children, Mary is our mother. She was given to us on the cross by John. Take your mother into your home. Was he only talking about John? He was talking about all of us as disciples. To argue otherwise is to contradict scripture and ignore her heavenly appointed role. Mary and the saints are not competitors with the church but collaborators with Jesus. Their prayers like ours and even the Protestants admit on earth, our prayers are effective. Well, then why can't they be by the people closest to God? So you're saying people on earth, their prayers are effective, but yet the people closest to God are not. It's crazy. All right, but the rosary focuses on Mary. It's blasphemy. It doesn't focus on Jesus. Well, that comes because there's more Hail Marys than our fathers. But remember, what's the Hail Mary based on? The life of Jesus. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. And so this is a misunderstanding. As we said last week, the Hail Mary is entirely biblical. It's an affirmation of the teachings in the life of Jesus. All right, last paragraph. The rosary, therefore, is distinct, distinguished. It's about Jesus, not just Mary. What's this? The cross of Christ the tool of our redemption. We Catholics do have an intimate, personal relationship with Jesus. Right here. Especially through the rosary. By reciting the Hail Marys throughout the rosary, participate over and over and over again with the words of the Bible. Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. This is the words of Angel, the Gabriel, and, and Elizabeth. Bead after bead, we're asking Mary to take us closer to Jesus, her son. And after all, prayer after prayer, we speak the name throughout it, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. The holy name of Jesus is repeated over and over. In short, the saving ministry of Jesus is the focus and goal of this rosary. We show by Mary's example, we become disciples. Mary is the mother of the Savior. She reached heaven. She knows how to do it. She knows how to get you there. We honor Jesus by honoring his mother. That's the fourth commandment. You honor Jesus by honoring his mother. That's the fourth commandment. She in turn blesses us through her role given to us as our mother. Even though she was without sin, she recognized she needed a savior. Non-Catholics will say, gee, you Catholics all the time are saying Mary didn't have sin. She doesn't need a savior. We said she was without sin. We never said she didn't need a savior. You needed a savior to keep you sinless in the first place. All right.
She is our example, following her son. Let's go to the last slide. You know, here's a picture. The rosary's been in the hands of saints for 800 years. It should be in our hands too. Sometimes saints have said that you can become a saint just through the rosary alone if you do nothing else but mass in the rosary. I would add to that to chaplain. Many saints have said that. So get involved, last slide. Get involved, things like the Legion of Mary. And you know what, one more. Let's go on, Brother Mark, to the um, being a Marian helper. Visit micprayers.org. Become a Marian helper. It doesn't take but 10 seconds. It costs no money. But you can share in the grace whenever we pray rosaries. And we Marians pray dozens of rosaries a day, not each individual, but together we pray dozens. And you can share in the grace of that by becoming a Marian helper. Visit micprayers.org and become a Marian helper. All right. So, you know, I'm going to finish with one little story about my mom. God bless my mom. But when, um, when I was a kid, we were moving from Utah to Michigan, and we were packing boxes, and I was getting more in the way than I was helping. And I remember pulling out of one of the boxes a string of beads. I was six years old, and I remember asking my mom, what is this? And she said, oh, they call that a rosary. But nobody prays those anymore. This was the 70s. And so I said, should I throw it away? I remember this. And she said, no, why don't you keep it? Put it back in the box. Well, they always say if when a man accepts his call to the priesthood, that many graces will be given his family. And I went home one day, and my mom, when she found out about some problems with her liver, they only gave her three years to live. That was seven years ago. And my mom started praying the rosary. And I walked home one day from, and visited her, and I walked in, and guess what she was praying on that same rosary that 30 years earlier, 35 years earlier, we almost threw away. And I always say the story about my mom praying that rosary, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. I said, Mom, 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 stop. The rosary is not a bunch of Hail Marys. That's just background music. The rosary is the mysteries. You meditate on the birth of Jesus. You're there in the stable. You meditate on Jesus carrying the cross. You're there as he's being whipped and beaten for our sins. And don't think your sin alone doesn't matter because each one of our sins added to the the pressure of those beatings. And I said, Mom, this, this rosary is a meditation on Scripture. The, the Hail Marys are just background music. And my mom said, well, wait a minute. And you know what I mean by background music? It's like watching a good movie, right? And I use the example of Jaws. You know, when the movie's on and you're watching the plot, but the music plays, it's a great add to the plot. And I said, Mom, you don't pray just a bunch of Hail Marys. And my mom says, well, wait a minute. You once said that every time you pray a Hail Mary, it's like shooting a bullet into the devil. And I did say that. It's like shooting a bullet into the devil. So my mom lifted up the rosary and says, and this is my machine gun. Hail Mary, full of grace, Lord is with thee. Hail Mary, full of grace, Lord is with thee. <laughs> so, <laughs> so God bless anybody, grandmas, moms, dads, pray this rosary. This is the way. This is not about worshiping Mary. This is about worshiping Jesus and being taken to Jesus through Mary. 
And so if you want more of this, I talk a lot about this. I'm going to Brother Mark show the last couple slides. You can get my DVD, Explaining the Faith, at shopmercy.org. You can get my book called Explaining Divine Mercy, also at shopmercy.org or 1-800-4-MARIAN. Or sadly, the book after suicide, if you know somebody who's struggling with loss of any kind, not just suicide, please get them the book. And, um, you know, until next week, I have to think of what my topic's going to be next week, so I can't say but pray the rosary, and may Almighty God bless you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. You know, I'm sorry, there's one last thing I do want to say. I mentioned purgatory and the promises of Mary. We all may face purgatory. There is a movie coming out Monday night at the theater. It's called Purgatory. We Marians co-produced it with Condrat Films. It is on in the movie theaters, and it's right in Pittsfield at the Beacon. I think 6 o'clock or 7 o'clock, something like that. Hope to see you there. I'll be there with my staff, some of my staff members. And it's also on the 28th, two days, two days only, October 25th and October 28th. So you can check your local listings near you or go to purgatorymovie.com com or dot org purgatorymovie.com and it'll show you where the movie theaters are please get to the movie theaters let's support this movie it's called purgatory and we marian fathers are in it so god bless you all again and thank you so much for coming please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates if you have been blessed by this podcast i invite you to leave a review Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Dot org. Thank you, and God bless you.